0: live with the best father and son team on the internet it's time for homie and the dude
1: what is up everyone this is homie and the dude and we are the father and son ttrpg and mma podcast And I'll tell you what, we are delighted. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a good while, but we're delighted to have one of the OGs of the D&D community. I consider you one of those on Mount Rushmore of the D&D community, someone that has shown us that there is a way to uh, not just to inspire, but also to monetize and make a career out of your passion. So we're very honored to have you, Mike Shea, aka Sly Flourish, to be here today. Thanks for being here.
2: Yeah, thank you very much. You're, you're you're building me up an awful lot, but, but I, I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> hey, it's just it's just how we see it, you know. It, for, from our end, you know, when we Tom and I talk about, you know, when. And we do we do often have you know conversations after a long week you know over a cold cider at a pub you know who's uh who who is our mount rushmore of d and d and you know what players would we have at our table if we could and who would we love to dm for us and whenever the rushmore conversation comes up we always put you uh, up on our list so it's very, uh, it's one good. that we uh, Oh, dude. No, honestly, your content is incredible and has assisted me as a DM and I think, you know, hundreds of other people, you know, uh, across the world um, at this point. And actually, do you know what? That, that that does actually lead me into something that I've been kind of thinking about. And, you know, you make these incredible supplements where you give, you know, ideas of how we can minimize prep time, how we can, you know... Um, uh, let me like how much I say. Like expertly navigate that DM space of like you know making sure that you're getting just the necessary bits and the bits that are important and fleshing those out really beautifully and things like that. And what I was interested in is if you're talking to a new D D player, a new DM, what are some like core things that you're like okay. If you go away and work on this, 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 and this, within a couple months, the improvements will be drastic. Or you know, go, go, go. Make sure that in your process, you're doing this, this, and this, because you know, once you've got those down, then everything else becomes easy. What are what are some pieces of like advice you would give like, to new Like DMs? the layups for yeah, like the foundations. That. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: Um, I have a few. I actually wrote an article about this. That, mm. that you know, like what are the you know, out of all of the experiences that I've picked from so many other DMs, all of the oh. different things that I've been trying to bring in. What are the things that like you know you could you could put down on an index card and hand to somebody be like focus on these areas and your and your yeah. your game will be better so pardon me while i read from my own article <laughs> <But> <laughs> so it's like let let the story unfold at the table don't yeah. don't plan a story ahead of time you can plan yeah. the situations you can plan the circumstances you can plan locations you can plan uh secrets that they're gonna discover, all that sort of stuff. But don't expect the game to go in a certain way. Don't build it of this is the point where the characters are going to get captured by the hobgoblins and taken. Yeah. They'll have to do because you're you're presupposing the story and it's so much more fun when the story goes whatever direction it's gonna go. Um, you know, set up those situations and let the characters navigate them. Be on the character side. Right, you're you're not the enemy. You're not the bad guy. You aren't the you aren't the villains. You represent them, and you sort of you know manifest them as the game goes. But you're fans of the characters, and you want to watch them do awesome stuff. So trying to build those circumstances and those situations that are going to push push them and put them into the scenes where they have the options to to really be heroes and to sh- to show themselves off. They're the, they're the focus of the the story, and I think we can sometimes people can lose track can lose track of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the tools that you use should help you improvise during the game. That in, There's many, many different kinds of tools. There's many computer programs. There's many online tools that we can use. The ones that help you to react to the situation as it goes is way better than the tools that you have to prep ahead of time that have to go a certain way. Yeah. Um, focus on your next game. Don't worry about the larger campaign. Don't worry about the larger zeitgeist of D&D. Don't think about the giant arc. You've got friends that are coming to your table this week. What are you going to do? That's what are you going to set up? That's going to be fun for that session, right? And the the rest will come from that. Um, you know, build build your world, your campaign, and your adventures from the characters outwards, right? We call this Mm. my campaign development. But that idea of like you know, instead of building and everybody wants to do it. Cause for most of our lives, many of us had not had any good creative outlet. We've had world sitting in the back of our heads, just waiting for an opportunity to come out. And so this is our opportunity to come out and we just throw them all out there. We have, here's the 36 gods and the 30,000 year history. And you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the five continents. And it's like the characters are in a town right now with problems. What are those problems? What's the town? What's right around them? What's, what's the horizon and what's maybe one horizon out. Now, I've yeah. heard this idea of, of, um, of God like three hexes out, right? Instead of building out an entire map, you only focus on the hex the characters are in and like one hex that's, you know, one hex and mm. three points around them. Yeah. What are in there that they can, that they can, they can do. Uh, focus on pacing. And have give yourself the tools and the options for uh, pacing pacing an adventure. Uh, you know things are going to get slow. Do you need to speed them up? Are things too dramatic and too intense? How do you dial it down? Give yourself these dials that you can increase or decrease the the pacing and the speed and the feeling of it that you can use during the game. Easy easy examples of the idea ideas so like lower the hit points of the monsters when it's time for them to leave the table. Right? Yeah. And, you know, there there are things you can do to speed things along so that you don't drag things out or sometimes you need that little bit of a break, you know, give them yeah. an option to, to go to town and, and have some conversations instead of getting punched in the face for four hours. <laughs> and, you know, focus on the fiction first and the mechanics second. The mechanics support the fiction, not the other way around. So don't get bound up in all of the mechanics of it. Think about yeah. what that means in the world. Don't come up with you know new subsystems all the time. Oh, I'm going to have a whole system for how to talk to the king and different little gauges and numbers of, you know, the factions that you, the, the factional increases that you've had with it. Just, Pretend you're the king, and react yeah. to what they say, and see how it goes. So, so those are those are big tips. Those aren't just mine. Those are tips that I've called and culminated from many, many DMs over the years, many different groups, many books that I've read um, that seem to be a good focus and have worked well for me and worked well for a lot of other people. That was a very long answer to your question.
0: No, that was a roadmap. If ever, I, if ever I've heard freaking something like here, here's the thing, like as when I came into being a dungeon master, I searched and searched for places where I could get resources to understand my position at the table and what, you know, I needed to do and what I needed to bring to the table. And, you know, people like uh, double DM podcast were a really good resource. You know, your, uh, your content that you've created was another one. And, you know, I've got a few others as well as also then just watching, you know, experts at our craft do their thing and, you know, breaking that down and analyzing, you know, how and why they've done certain things and, and, and stuff like that. You know, I, I, I think, if anyone were to listen to that, that is like one of the, (laughs) that that was possibly the best piece of like road mapping I've ever heard or seen on the internet (laughs) or, or will exist on the internet from this day forward. I think that's like absolutely perfect. And I think, you know so much of what you mentioned i, I is, wouldn't call is, it
2: perfect we'll see it may yeah. evolve over time
0: <laughs> 100% but what i mean though is like it's it's a it's a perfect way for someone to get into it and understand like the the guidelines of what they need to do and obviously that will change for each dm based on their style sure. one yeah. thing that i definitely wanted to touch on because we actually talked about this recently with roleplay chat uh, a gentleman called matt And we were talking about uh, the concept of fudging and the concept of fudging dice, fudging, you know, HP fudging, you know, a bunch of different things. And, you know, just this whole back and forth between half of the community being like if you ever fudge something you're not a
2: real d breaking, breaking the yeah you're, you're breaking yeah. the agreement that you have with your players sure
0: exactly versus you know the the other half that seemed to be like you said you know put the story first and you know if the mechanics don't fit that moment then make something that does suit it you know make sure that as long as it's not breaking your world or your lore you know then you're you're good to alter rules as, as you see fit and you know like you said, Turning the dials, and I think that's something that I, as a DM, felt lucky to have learned and felt okay with doing early on in my DM career. Of being like, you know what, they need to be whooping this player's ass right now, and he's rolling incredibly, so I'm gonna just lower that HP a little bit, and I'm I, I am gonna alter that because you know it, it it needs to go a little bit faster, it needs to be a little bit you know more intense. This combat needs to be a bit more you know this is meant to be an important one, you know. And I just wanted to ask, what's your perspective on the, you know, the half of the community after just giving that piece of advice, the half of the community that are saying, you know, if you, if you fudge, you're breaking the rules, like where, 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 where's your kind of head on all of that? So I
2: think, I mean, one is we all get to make that choice and decide Mm. for ourselves. Uh, I think that it to me it's not so much like a, a, a always on or always off. It's kind of a spectrum. I bet yeah. you that many times DMs who say like oh I never fudge, if like you look behind the screen, there's probably some stuff they're changing. Right, yeah. there's little things that they're changing, and some of it's like well how much are you doing before the game? Like I think mm-hmm. most DMs would say there's no reason you can't modify a monster before a game begins, however you see fit. It's during 100%. the game that they get really bothered by. And I would say probably 90% of the time it's in, it's in favor of the characters. It's in favor of saying like, it's not because we want to give the characters an easy time. It's because the battle's boring, right? And it's like, do Mm. you really need to kill every one of these ogres? How Mm. about we just lower those hit points a little bit and you can kill them a little bit faster. Uh, I've I've played in many organized play games where the DM would say things at a certain point, like, we're just going to end the battle right here. So, mm. like, you just get to the point where the players are having fun and, you know, managing to kill everything. And the DM has said, okay, well, the threat of this battle is now over and mm. I've got things to do. I've got areas of the game. So, I'm just going to end the battle by, by, by the, with a smash cut. I'm going to break out a character and say, we're just going to end, you guys win. And, and, like, that is just as <laughs> modifying the game as dialing mm. points down, only it's also lame right it's also it also hurts the story because it also like you just told me you did it instead of just like give everything one hit point like your next fireball ogres go flying through the sky right like you can do it in fiction um so i i I, and i I know other dms who say like i don't even track hit points i just when a monster has taken enough hits and i feel like it's the right time i let it die and i'm not on that side either exactly right not on the like hit points don't matter and damage doesn't matter like we are asking our players to roll dice and you know, if we're, if we're literally just saying, like, I don't know, until you hit a certain number of times, that's completely decided by me uh, mm-hmm. where the monster's going to stay on the table. I don't think that's, you know, great either. So I like to think of the dials as having, like, springs in them. And the spring is on the average, right? If you were to let yeah. the dials go, you know, they go to the average. But you can turn them if you want, right? But they got a little resistance to them. It's not the kind of thing you should, I don't know, you should is always a dangerous term. It's not the kind of thing <laughs> you do all the time yeah and and I would and I really want to ask myself why? Why am I changing this? Am I changing it because this particular monster has far fewer actions compared to the total number of actions that the characters have? So I'm going to give it a few more actions so that it brings a bitter, bigger threat to the table. Mm. A terrible reason. Am I going to lower hit points because I want this battle to be over and it's time to move on? And all of us are bored and and I still want to give them the fun and the excitement of cutting down a monster and finishing it off. That feels like a good reason doing yeah. it because you're mad or like the stupid player is using counter spell again. So I'm just going to keep adding more, you know, spells to my mage until he breaks <laughs> all those counter spells. That's probably not a great reason. So yeah. I think understanding why we're, why we're doing what we do is, um is good. The other kind of, you know, arbitrary rule I have is I don't cheat on the dice rolls, but I cheat everywhere else. So like, <laughs> You know when i roll when I roll, I roll in the open i don't i don't hide my rolls ever not mean, mm-hmm. rarely and i almost you know i'm mean, never strong rarely do i cheat on the die roll again i would only like cheat on the die roll if it's like oh for crying out loud I just want us to move on. Or if like a player has been rolling just terribly, or they've been casting spell after spell after spell, and the monsters have been saving every time, mm. have one of the monsters fail a saving throw, because it just sucks to blow all your spells and not ever get anything. So rare circumstances like that. But most of the time, it's like, I'm going to play around with the other dials. I'm going to give monsters more attacks. I'm going to have them do more damage or less damage. I'm going to have them uh, have more or less hit points, or, or I'm going to add or subtract monsters from the battle? You, know, I'll, I'll, yeah. you, know, you can't really do that in the battle easily, but you can do it before, like how many? Is yeah two, is it 20 how many guys how many are you fighting
0: 100 yeah. i love i love that that's a great it's well put well i i
1: i do too but i here's what i'm <laughs> here's what i'm noticing in our in our podcast format today i have a list of things that are entirely different than your list of things <laughs> because you are based on and this is this is just who we are yeah, yeah. you're based on like the creative side of D and all that mm-hmm. stuff and i'm on the the kind of the mechanics of how do we how do we like take this thing that's our passion and actually bring it into something that we could potentially transform into a career, into sure. a, a monetized type um, endeavor.
2: Like, lucky that... me, I love both topics.
1: Exactly, well, here's the, b- before I circle into that other one, I'm gonna follow up on what you just said. Careful. Which is, I have a question about, so the love of the game. How much are you finding time out of that other bit, the grind, so, the machine bit, to just have some fun with your friends,
2: oh, all the time, yeah. yeah, very often, yeah i run I run two to three games a week and 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 love it, yeah and i and then I spend you know a couple you know two, three hours on prep, you know for those various games uh, at different <laughs> times, which I enjoy too and i've I've been. I've been lucky to be able to separate those two, right? I've been lucky that I still, I, I will still sometimes, like on a Saturday, I like, I try to take Saturdays off from any of my other businessy activities, but I'll still prep a game, right? And because I enjoy that prep, and 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 there's something very refreshing and 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 relieving about knowing that, like this thing that I'm working on, this isn't something I'm just putting out for everybody. It's not a piece of content. It's not an article. I'm just prepping a game for my friends. Yeah, so I'm gonna see it, and that's that's the joy of it. So yeah, I still I still feel that all the time. Yeah, three three games a week was a bit much. I had this this uh, in the states we had Thanksgiving this past week, and yeah. two of my regular games were were canceled, and I didn't. You know, I love the I love them all, and I'm sad I didn't play with them. But I, the break was nice too. Being <laughs> yeah. a couple having a couple times where I didn't have to worry about doing doing my prep and getting all ready was not bad after running multiple weeks of three games a week yeah.
0: are you getting to play very much or are you are you mainly leading the dance that is the dm at this point?
2: i right now i'm i think everything is dming i did play i had a i had a long term well like a year long a little bit more than a year year and a half long mm. campaign that i played in uh we got to mm-hmm. i think about 11th level and i we just finished wow. that out a couple of months ago and that was that was really fun that was probably the first campaign of fifth edition i have played and wow my friend, that's awesome my friend, yeah my friend chris ran it and i really had a good time it was really fun to be a player again and and, so, and of course, what, like, you're always like, oh, I picked up lots of good tips about you know what it's <laughs> like to be on the other side. What are things that players can do to really bring more joy to the game and stuff
0: like that. So. Well, what, what, um, what edition are you running then yourself? Fifth. Or you, you're, you're running fifth as well. It's just yeah, the first one you've it. played in. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah Sorry, yeah, it's the, yeah, yeah, played, yeah, yeah. Right, it's the first time
2: I played, right, it's first time I played a fifth edition character. Yeah, yeah, uh, And I played in other one-shots. I played in organized mm. play. I played in other events. So it's the first time I had a character that grew from first to 11th level as part of one mm. central storyline with the same That's group awesome. and the same characters. Yeah, it's the first time I had that opportunity
1: what you're saying is is also inspiring you know uh, amongst all the other things that we really do look to you as as someone that is you know that has been there and is doing it but has done it is this conversation that we've had which is we really want to incorporate as as much of the fun stuff Mm. into our into our model as possible and so one of the things we'll be doing certainly in 2023 we're starting to talk about it right now is getting away from a lot of post-edited live stream live streams that are post edited and then and then posted you know because yeah, because
0: we have a weird we have a weird process where we we record uh like a six five six hour session and then we splice that up into like three or four episodes and then drop that and and we realized like we, we were doing it like basic amount at the beginning and then our editor was like, oh, but I could add some sound effects here. And like, this could do, this could use some music. And, mm. and you know, we, we, we went down that path and, you know, we, we found out that actually it's, it's a mountain of work.
2: Yeah. yeah. So oh, God. Yeah.
1: It's just, it's, and also like the payoff for post editing, making something really, really slick and everything is like, what percentage of that product can you, can you meet in a live stream that has some live production?" Right. Whether you have some music, you have some, you know, maybe some sound effects. Uh, our guess is that you can get fairly close to that if you can slick up your live production tool. And then at that point, it's done. It's pretty much done. You can slap an intro, slap an outro onto it, make a, a thumbnail and it's and it's done. All the editing has been done. So that we're, So that's one of the reasons. The other reason is I think we think we'll just be able to do more of it you know, and, and that's kind of, that's another Just reason. Just play more. Just we've, play more. Yeah. We've
0: been saying, you know, like like you said, we want to get that good balance of, you know, working on the hobby and, you know, creating stuff for the hobby, but then also, you know, actually in, indulging in the hobby as well, you know, actually, mm-hmm. actually enjoying the, the, the stuff that, you know, we're creating and using it in our own worlds and just having fun outside of that, and I think you know we we realized that yeah, going forward, it's something we wanna we definitely want to do more of. And it's so sick to hear that you play so many games. Yeah, and, that's that's like, because we were talking about. We we're like, oh man, he's put he's putting out so much stuff. Gotta wonder how 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 many games we were like, you just gotta wonder. Play? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. We, we were like, yeah. we we're like, you're so busy. You got you gotta wonder. Um, yeah. But no, yeah. it's that's that's awesome and super inspiring to hear from my end as well.
1: Yeah. Well, so let, let me let me transition a little bit. Um, so. We, we saw an article that you wrote called marketing your rpg product yeah and i i just love the title because in the title is something that you know i guess maybe for the first year and a half we didn't use the word product hmm. as much as i think it needs to be thought about like and you at some point if you are looking at this to to evolve into something that you can make into a career then you have to think about things like, okay, what is our product? What's our unique selling proposition? What, what do we offer the world? Yeah. And, then, and then how can we support all the ways that mm. that thing can be offered? So yeah. initially love the title, um, but also the content is just a, a, a gold mine of nuggets uh, ac- across it from you know, the sales channel to things you think about with regard to Twitter, things you think about with regard to subscriber lists, newsletter lists all the way through. Can you take us through just a bit of a summary of of, of the actual article and perhaps, um, you know, kind of why you wrote it?
2: Yeah. So I wrote it because we get asked a lot. Well, some so sometimes we get asked a lot and sometimes it's like, nobody's asking me, but I'm going to say it anyway. Mm. Um, because I can tell that like people aren't thinking through it that much or they have big ideas but you know i'm like i can't help myself but offer advice so i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna put this down but i did have enough people that would email me about it and marketing in particular marketing rpg products in particular is just a really hard nut to crack like i didn't have great advice for a long i'm still not sure i have great advice like i wrote down the best that i've got but i don't know if it's fantastic Mm. and it's such an evolving area that that you know that it's really tough, but it's but it's it's something that everybody that wants to produce a product cares about. And I think it's a wall that a lot of people hit of like, I have this big idea. I, I have something that I think is unique in the world. I have something that I think can really help people out. But I've no idea how to reach people. I've no idea how I should uh, how how people should find what I would do. And like I've been doing this for, you know, 10 12 years that i've been writing rpg stuff and keeping up a blog and everything like that and i still don't have fantastic advice and it is mm. evolving all the time um but there are there are some things that i had found and i've, I've talked to others i have a a, a TTRPG marketing discord that i that i hang out on uh with with others and we talk about this all day every day and all different people with working on all different kinds of stuff but we all talk about like what are the different approaches and what works and what doesn't and so I, I you know a lot of it I kind of captured from there and, and a lot of the conversations we had, and then said, "Okay, what are the stuff that that really worked out and so you know the, you know I have like my thirty second summary, which I'll go over, you know, which is like what's the marketing funnel how do you you know if you think about the the marketing funnel is this idea of how do you get people's attention just even pointing at you like hey I, you know I'm over here, right, billboards think billboards on a highway." Mm-hmm. That, like, how do you even get people's attention in the first place? How do you get to the point where they're actively going to do something? They're going to read an article. They're going to look at one video. They're going to do one thing that you've, that you've made. What is that? You know, that's the interest, right? What's, what's the interest that they have? Then actually getting them to do something beyond just absorb a single piece of content. It could be emailing, getting an email, you know, giving them, giving them, giving you their email address for a newsletter, then hmm. subscribing to your YouTube channel. Them, uh, maybe, you know, I'm not even sure. I'd say like Patreon is probably a level below that of actually giving you money, right? Mm -hmm. But just connecting with you somehow regularly. Now they're, it could be joining your Discord server if you have an open Discord server. They are giving a part of themselves to you in an email address. They're saying it's okay to contact you. They've shown interest. They've, if, you know, if, if, I don't know if some people are still using it. They subscribe to your RSS feed. They subscribe mm-hmm. to your podcast. They join your Twitch channel, whatever it is that, that they're going to do that they made that. And then the last one is, you know, the action or, you know, the, the, the actual investment part. They give you $2 a month on your Patreon. They buy a book. They, you know, whatever the, you know, they actually pay for your thing. And then there's even a level kind of underneath that, which is like the super, the super fans, you know, the super friends who they buy everything you put out, like they, they they support you on Patreon, even though they don't need to, right? They're doing it Mm. just because they really want to support, not because they're interested in your product, but they, they love you as a, as a creator and they want more and they always back your Kickstarters and they always, you know, they always back it. So, so that, you know, understanding what that funnel is and how you hit each of those levels, you can't. You know i love this example so chris zarowski has this video uh that i that i link in the article where he talks about newsletters for for um independent uh independent video games and one of the examples he brings up is like you know people love to give crap to starbucks like why would you pay five dollars for a coffee at starbucks you know and what does starbucks have and it's like well imagine if you're walking down the street and a van crashes into the wall in front of you and a dude in a mask gets out and says here's my coffee give me five dollars right you'd be like Get away from me, right? Like, you're freaking me out. You don't have a relationship with that guy. They've not proven themselves to you as one. Starbucks has spent decades building a relationship of, you know, here's who we are, here's where we are, here's the kind of product we offer. If you pay us $5, you're going to get this kind of coffee. They have spent all the time building that relationship with you. You don't get to just jump in and pretend like, you know, and you hear this, like, why is it, you know, my RPG product only costs $5 and people will spend $5 on a cup of coffee. How come they won't spend $5 on my RPG product? It's because you're not as reliable as that cup of coffee, right? Like, <laughs> what you made. And they don't know why they should give you that kind of money. So hmm. you build. You have to build that relationship. Um, so I talk about the newsletter, email newsletter, as a, as a fantastic marketing platform. There's definitely people who are like, newsletter, you know, what is this 1960 like why are you you know i can't believe the newsletter is the social media platform of choice but i'll tell you and we can talk all day about twitter that you know this is a good example where like your newsletter is your own your subscribers to your newsletter are your own if you decide you want to move from mailchimp to another provider you can move your list with you and Mm -hmm. not lose that relationship that is a direct relationship you have with a customer and i can tell you monetarily it's like 10 to 30 times more valuable than twitter right As, as as a relationship that you can build up um, something that I found that i I just I didn't really read about or hear about, but I kind of discovered on my own, and it makes sense it makes sense uh, uh, when you think about it, is that there really isn't a top and a bottom to your funnel. that yeah. even though talked about that like billboard down to superfan. The reality is sometimes the bottom of your funnel is actually the top of your funnel. And the example is more people find my patreon because they bought my books already than they yeah. do from other avenues where I'm paying or, or, or I'm trying to advertise to them. Right. That sometimes, you know, I got something like 40% of my email list subscribers came from my Kickstarter. And you're mm. like, wait a minute. I'm, you know, I built the newsletter so I could promote Kickstarters when they happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm building the newsletter from Kickstarter. So Insane. You know, creating this like inside box where like once they come in, they bounce around inside the box and they hit all of your stuff. Mm-hmm you know subscribers to my youtube channel found out about my youtube channel because they're like oh you're the guy that wrote return of the lazy dungeon master and it's like well yeah but i was trying to get you to buy it well i already did right oh okay good right so it's it, and sometimes the funnel can flip and that's weird right but it's great It also means that you you know that the, the stuff you're providing is useful in these in these other areas thanks
0: for watching this episode we really appreciate you supporting homie and the dude Please hit us with the holy trinity like our facebook page subscribe to the youtube channel and follow us on instagram just search at homie and the dude it all really helps
1: i was, I was just going to say that to just at that point it's almost like uh mana from heaven you're looking at stuff and you're like what did we do to get yeah, you know that, you that know. Bump in subscribers at youtube yeah. what's going on there and it's like i don't know but i can start to now understand that like you know as we're bringing more people into our discord or bringing more people into our newsletter they're just more aware of us and possibly yeah. more curious and so yeah. now that by definition that starts blending into other parts of of our content
2: yeah and um as far as social networks have concerned i've i've toyed with tiktok and instagram and obviously i spent a lot of time on twitter and by far the best social network that i found to bring people to the products that i create is through youtube you know, not not including the newsletter. Right. But YouTube itself, as far as a platform where people can discover the stuff that I'm making, the, the the discovery on YouTube is greater than anything else I've found. Like I'm getting more people from YouTube than I'm getting from anywhere else. Who knows if that will continue to be the case? Also, who knows if I just got lucky? Right. I can't yeah. discount. I can't discount either of those two things like i'm I've you know i've I've done a fair bit of work to improve the channel that I've got to improve the videos that I've got. I think a lot about trying to make sure the videos that I'm putting out are things people want to see. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the YouTube algorithm, but I look at it and kind of think about it a little bit. But I also yeah. trust that when YouTube says, Look, you try to make good content and we'll try to get people to your content that they probably know what they're talking about but, but there' have been little tricks that they've talked about that are like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. It makes sense. For mm-hmm and yeah. um but yeah i found that to be far more useful i've tried the, i've tried many of them and some i've tried more than others obviously my twitter experiment went on for 12 years my tiktok experiment only lasted a couple of months but i you know i learned a little bit and and um, and continue to go on from that so so yeah
0: you know that's it, it's super interesting because you know for us for us on our end you know we we have been building many different social platforms like we started with facebook and with Facebook, the growth came on Facebook from when we did our, our MMA content, like our UFC stuff. And so, you know, our- And through ads, and probably cheap ads that brought,
1: you know, like yeah. casuals that maybe they maybe had one interest
0: in one event, and but not didn't really care about us. Exactly, and so mm-hmm. those numbers, again, are, are and it, you said, you know, Twitter, you mentioned in the, the article and, and other time you spoke to us, you know, Twitter at this point is, almost useless. The, the, the amount, the the amount amount of people that see (laughs) your tweet. A couple of months
2: ago, it was useless. Now it's even worse.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And it's barreling downhill. And I think, you know, we have also done, and we have all the social medias, you know, we have our name on all of them just in case, you know, we want to, you know, bridge over there and things like that. But I think, you know, it's, it's the same thing. And what's crazy is in the last month that we've been doing this, we have seen the greatest uptake in just our numbers. Like, what's interesting is YouTube has not been the one for us as well. Like, YouTube's in our list of like trash with with all the other social media platforms right now. And what's interesting since we have begun pushing our newsletter, and you know, our our method is kind of crazy. We we go about our new our newsletter procurement in 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 a kind of crazy way where we're pretty much doing door-to-door sales as opposed to, you know, any sort of mass thing where we're straight up, you know, going in forums and talking to people and, you know, getting people who we think are, you know, going to be interested in this, you know, and bringing them in and messaging them and going, reaching out to, you know, people that we do now have on Twitter and stuff like that and reaching out and asking, you know, whether they'd like to be a part of it. And I think, in that time we've seen the biggest uptake in just subscribers for no re- like no reason like we mm-hmm. we have not like done anything different on youtube we've not posted and suddenly now that we're building this newsletter and more specifically i think the discord it has like that has just begun drip feeding like we've been mm-hmm. watching just yeah. subscribers just like dropping in yeah. and i think you know we we first of all like i think that there was a misunderstanding that we had somewhere along the way, and I think we and, and a lot of people have this misunderstanding. So I'm glad we've gone through this, but also for me, I wish we'd learned this two years ago. Um, and that was like we have been focused on, you know, building the numbers, making sure that you know people are seeing our content, and we've been less focused on the engagement on the cultivating a quality audience instead of you know a, a a large audience right and we you know we were going in our heads you know if it's going to be 10 percent of the people are going to click yes then let's make sure that that 10 percent right. is massive because the numbers are big and that's right. not the case at all it's so much better to have people who care about what you're doing yeah. who want to talk about stuff who you know are are appreciative of the space that you create and the stuff that you do and things like that and um I think that's something that, you know, we're, we're, we're beginning to get our heads around. You know, we, we literally said today, we're like, you know, we have kind of come to a point similar as you have. We're like, what is the point in posting content to engage with people on Twitter? When not only do we not get the impressions, but we also don't get the engagements? there's no
2: no point (laughs)
0: like, let's, let's post the same shit talking that it based that engagement posting is. out of our Twitter and just put it on our discord where people will actually engage with it and talk to us. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's something that we're, we're going through that process of learning at the moment. And uh, as we lead up to this first Kickstarter, it's been absolutely valuable. And I remember, you know, when we spoke to you, you mentioned the, 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 the newsletter thing when we last spoke to you. And what's hilarious is in our minds, we were like, yeah, when it comes, when we get ready for a Kickstarter, we're going to hit that newsletter we didn't realize that we should have just been doing the newsletter irregardless. Yeah. For, for, <laughs> forget about <it. laughs> yeah. like, like that was just something that we just completely stepped yeah. over. And, you know, yeah. again, since then, it's been leaps and bounds better leaps and bounds. Yeah, it's been
1: it's been a big change for us. And it's just like you were saying, Mike, like, you know, to be beholden to something that ultimately, you don't have control over a platform that can mm-hmm. willy nilly just like, just, you know, just be bought you. by yeah.
0: fucking random people. <laughs> <laughs>
1: could, you know, if you've invested, like, to to have as much uh, control of your own content, mm-hmm. your own destiny is where it, it's kind of where it's at, right? And so, like you said, with the newsletter, I can, I can. Export that to different places. We can, you know, at some point we can even change our entire model, and we can go yep. some other place. But we've earned this list of people that have said, you know, what we want to learn more from you guys, yeah. as opposed to Twitter, where it's just an it's oh man, it's so but frustrating. It's, yeah,
2: the the thing that I worry about isn't so much like what happened with Twitter, as I'm not immune in other areas. So I brought up that yeah. YouTube is a big platform, but like it could happen with YouTube as well. Like it could, uh, you know, I think like it, you know it's not likely Elon Musk is going to buy YouTube. But it's more it's likely that they might say, you know what, we're not crazy about how people are clicking out of YouTube and going to websites. And we're going to start, you know, making that harder to do, which is what many of the social media platforms have done. And now suddenly I'm not getting the audience from YouTube that I used to get because everything turned into YouTube shorts. And the only interaction you have in the YouTube short is going to the next short, not Mm. clicking an email, not checking a newsletter, not reading a book, nothing else. And YouTube could do that. And it might be in YouTube's best interest to do that. And I don't have mm. any control over that at all. Uh, Amazon, right? I they, like, you know, on the order, I'm, I'm gonna make a number up, but it's not too far off. Like 30% of the income that I get, it comes from Amazon. And Amazon is mm. not a great company either. Um, mm. you know, they, they, they could certainly, and they could go in different directions that would be bad, but I can't just pull the plug on that without yeah. pain, without the, a severe amount of pain um, there are other platforms where I owe a, a good deal. Pla- Patreon, right? My Patreon is now very successful. and very happy with where it's going, but there are people who hate Patreon. There are people who really don't like the platform. They don't like it for whatever reason. And you know, what I lose people No, but I, I, I can't, it would be much harder for me to say I'm leaving Patreon and moving to another platform, mm-hmm. um, without losing a lot of people and, and income. Right. So that, So those are, you know, if you know, I always go with like, oh, stepping away from Twitter was easy because I wasn't making anything from Twitter anyway. So, and that's true. Like, I'm not, I'm never going to hide behind that fact, right? I'm. It's very easy to have a moral high ground when you're not really that high off the ground. So, you know, yeah. Well,
1: I just want to. Okay. I just want. Can I just say something real quick? Yeah, go for it. And then you go for it. it. Yeah, go for it. Just to the audience, (laughs) and especially the audience that really, really. Puts a lot of effort and passion into into growing your Twitter audience. Mike, can you just like can you repeat what you've just said? Which is, can you tell us how many people you have as followers on Twitter and where you are right now with your with your commitment to Twitter going forward? Because this is huge yeah. to me. Like, so
2: I have yeah, I have forty six thousand followers on Twitter, and it's it's taken me twelve years to build that up over time. Um, and I yeah, I I I'm, I can't. I can't get myself to delete the account, but Mm -hmm. I've I've stopped posting there completely Um, now in, you know, for full disclosure, I kind of stopped posting there as a human being probably a year ago when Mm -hmm. I really saw the impact that algorithmic ranking had for Twitter and for audiences and stuff like that. So 46 and I tell you, a lot of people would be, you know, would get impressed. And sometimes it was a disadvantage of saying like, oh, I have, how many Twitter files do you have? You have 46,000. Like, oh my God, you're really important. And that means if you say something dumb, your dumb thing is amplified by 46,000 times where <sighs> another person could say a dumb thing <laughs> and nobody cared. But like, yeah, you're an influencer, like you're changing the, and it's like, nobody's reading my shit over there anyway. Right? Yeah. So like, and, and so I would look at tweets that I have and the average readership of a tweet is like a thousand impressions, right? Yeah. It's not, that's not terribly much, right? So it's less than my impressions on blog articles. Right? Nobody mm-hmm. cared about my blog, but yeah, I get more, more, more impressions on a blog article. Than I do it on a tweet and way better engagement because they're actually mm-hmm. reading it. Um, so yeah, when they switch to algorithmic ranking, it meant that the follower, I, I, you know, i making. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Some of this is probably true. Um, when they switch over to algorithmic ranking and all, many, I think all of the social media platforms of note have done this the 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 person is no longer the central hub of the platform the con- the piece of content is every individual yeah. piece of content is that is the only thing who made it and how many followers they have doesn't matter at all it's whether or not that piece of content should get eyeballs on it or not and and yeah. all of twitter tiktok youtube instagram They're all focused on on that one piece of content, which is why you see people who only have like 300, 400 subscribers or followers or whatever that then have a video that's got 150,000 views. And it's because that video was important that according to the algorithm, right? The video, the algorithm liked that video and said, why don't you go to that? And the same is true with Twitter. You go on Twitter and you'd find tweets that have hundreds, 100,000 impressions, tens of thousands of engagements, lots of retweets, lots of likes lots of hate, right? Lots of people arguing with yeah. it, right? And you look, and the person who wrote it has very few subscribers, but the, that piece of content has lots and lots of, of, of impressions. Yeah. And that meant that, and so I could argue, okay, well, that meant I wasn't posting anything wow. interesting on Twitter anymore, which might be true, <laughs> right? Or at least according to it, but I knew like, I mean, my D and D tips, some of them would go really well because people like the tips, but many times the daily tip was just a daily tip and nobody really paid attention. There was nothing to engage with. So they moved on and nobody read it. So it was easy for me to step away, and really stepping away was really taking the the Python robot that I had aimed at my Twitter account and aiming it over to my Mastodon account, and then yeah. it, was, it was you know Twitter went silent and it went over here, um, and and you know moving that elsewhere. But the reality was that yeah, even with a even with forty six thousand followers on Twitter, that really wasn't beneficial to me. Now yeah. there are I've I've argued this with other friends of mine who are very active on Twitter as well, and many of them are saying like it's not useful to sell a book and it's Mm -hmm. not useful to promote a patreon or to promote a kickstarter you know that trying to get twitter to do that because the the benefit of twitter is the network effect and there's no network if you're kicking someone right out of it yeah instead the network effect is the valuable thing finding other people to collaborate with uh Mm -hmm. getting commissions for art that you make uh working being a freelancer working on different products that the relationships that you establish with other people in your network on twitter so that they know who you are. They know what you can do. They know that you're you're hitting all three of the important things for freelancers that you deliver good quality work on time and you're not a jerk, right? If yeah. they can if they can learn all of those things on Twitter, then that is really beneficial from a freelancer standpoint. And I can't disagree with that. I, I don't yeah. I don't need it for freelancing anymore. So I don't I don't yeah. um, I can't I can't agree or or not. I know I did back when I was doing a lot of freelance work. I've met them through Twitter. I just don't know if it's still the same case now. But a lot of people are saying it is and they're probably I, I would believe them, right? I would believe that that's yeah. the case. So there are people who have built their entire personality beyond beyond just the business side. They've also treated Twitter 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 is their avenue to the world. It's their way to be heard about anything.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: many times these are these are these are, you know, people who don't have a, a voice anywhere else that they 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 don't have the option to really to speak out elsewhere and they would lose that voice completely if they just walked away from the platform and it's really unfortunate the platform's going the way that it's going and and that you know they have to do that but many marginalized voices only really exist on twitter and they don't have those voices elsewhere they don't they and and you know i don't know about trying to build a newsletter or trying to build a blog or whatever I know that they haven't. In many many cases, they haven't built up that platform. I think in some cases, like maybe they should have, but it's easy to say. Many cases, it might not. That might just like I can't build subscribers for Twitter. They couldn't either. So, yeah. I think that it's you know it's 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 a it's a rough spot to be in in that case because, like you said, someone else controls the platform, right? They, yeah. they don't mm-hmm. they don't they don't control that voice. And regardless of how important it is to them, that doesn't change what the facts are about the platform. Yeah. and that's hard but i but you know one thing that i've been trying to be very clear about everywhere when i talk about this is like i don't hold anybody i i, I don't i don't disparage anybody who stays with twitter i don't I, yeah. anybody no, who's yeah. maintaining that voice i don't you know that's absolutely fine we all have to make the choices that we make to go the direction and like i say it was easy for me because yeah. it really didn't affect my business that much it hurt because i've been doing it for 12 years and i felt a yeah. lot i was very very emotional about it when i decided to turn that bot off and say like and make a post that says i'm leaving twitter you know, yeah. I felt I, it was a hard day for me to do that. But it was mostly a hard day because I had done it for so long and because it had been such a big part of what I've been doing for so long and more so than whether it was actually valuable or whether it was a voice that I had or not, because I, uh, yeah, my voice is in lots of places. Yeah. So, and I'm do you out. know
0: what? I think, Mike, like so, so, something that I wanted to talk about, and you kind of mentioned it with the networking thing, because... Tom and, I, t- Tom and I have had this conversation many times about Twitter, and it often comes off with very negative connotations. And we, we, we <laughs> in, in, in a sad way, refer to Twitter as a bit of a circle jerk is, is kind of how we, we, we talk about it. And, you know, it's it's a really, really like, like you said, it's not at this point great, like two, three years ago, even, um, you know, people were still getting the benefit of, you know, increased followers and, you know, like yeah. hashtags were working properly. Yeah. And, you so know, it's still, all that. It's
2: still timeline based
0: exactly that was was how
2: you found stuff was was time yeah temporal, not algorithmic
0: yeah and so it was you know it was in a better place but it seems like as well not only have we had this crash of algorithm you know crash of just all this other stuff within the actual you know social media itself but something that tom and i have kind of been exploring and thinking about is it feels like a good proportion of the people that we have on twitter that we interact with i'm not sure if you Follow this same kind of a situation. Are other creators and other people who um, you know are out here? you know uh, in in some way clawing at the sand like we are trying to trying to make something yeah. of ourselves and because of that you know you're not hitting an audience that want to buy things you're hitting an audience that is yeah. in there some ways com- like yeah. I was gonna say either competing <laughs> with you or you know they're they're simply like busy with their own stuff or they're like you know what i'm creating my own content over here and the content you create's amazing but it just doesn't fit my world or you know the setting that i'm building that i'm going to throw as a kickstarter and so I think that was a weird one for us to also begin to acknowledge and realize is that it felt like a lot of, you know, us getting retweets or, you know, getting, you know, support and things like that was a lot of other creators doing it, which is great. And we, I can't tell you how much we appreciate that. Like the fact that anyone wants to support our stuff is amazing, but it also, in terms of whose eyes then get on it. It's not many people who are like there to buy stuff.
2: Right. It's sort of like the promotional channel in a Discord, right? Like if you go to some Discord servers and they're like, Oh, if you want to promote your work, go to this channel. The only people going there are people promoting their work. No one no one actually wanting to buy work goes. I don't know if that's true. But like I could see it, I could see where like nobody actually goes, Hey, do you want an ad? Come over here to our ad place. Like, oh, I love it. (laughs) 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 Exactly. So yeah, I, I I hadn't thought about that. It's interesting that I hadn't thought about that as long as I've been going there. Certainly, the the people I was interacting with a lot on Twitter were uh, other creators. I think there was a fair number of people that were engaging with my stuff that were just ENs who I'm going for. Um, But it's also like, you know, because it's not truly a circle, right? The weird thing about the way that Twitter's network used to work is that you had people who followed you and you had people you followed, and those weren't the same. Right. Mm. And so, you know, the people I followed are the ones I was reading and, and the people that replied to me are people that I would engage with. But, um, but there were, you know, theoretically back then thousands of people who were following me that i never saw anything from because I wasn't following them. Yeah. Um, So yeah, hard to say, but yeah, I mean, that idea that you always have sort of a different, you know, any platform you go to is going to have kind of a circle of people. That you go to, you know, one of the things that I, I really felt bad I feel bad about with Twitter is that uh, I feel like Twitter was the thing that really held truth to power in the RPG space a lot of times. Yeah, and we've seen a lot of controversies that came up a lot of areas where <laughs> Wizards of the Coast misstepped on something and they were called out on it in public. Both yeah. with like treatment of their freelancers, both with content that they had in their books and things like that, and they reacted to it and dealt with it and you're like if let's say Twitter just crashed and stopped working where else would that happen? And such a great point. And I don't know that there is a place because like you go to Reddit and, you know, speaking. It's a mess. It's a fucking white, shit one, show. Yeah. One, one white guy talking to two other white guys. Reddit's a lot of <laughs> white dudes, right? A lot of sisters <laughs> <dudes. laughs> So you go there and every so often you'll see a controversy that kind of g- gets brought up on one of the D&D forums and it gets just downvoted to death and nobody, you know, nobody wants to hear it. Nobody cares. It's not a great place to hear diverse voices bringing truth to power over there because they just mm. get buried. And so you wonder like if the hey to z thing with Spelljammer had come up on on, on reddit would it have had the same reaction that had like being brought up as it had been on, on twitter so i don't i don't really know and that is something that i worry about because i think that that was a real power that twitter had um it wasn't comfortable right and it wasn't the kind of yeah. thing you want to read all the time because you know it's 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 harsh stuff but it really affected this hobby in i think a positive way i think books like radiant citadel were examples of the reaction that wizards had towards their discussions about the representation in their game and would that have happened if it was just you know a few forums i don't
0: know and and what's interesting i think for us as well and we've we've seen this massively is like you know at the end of the world war ii white guys um and um you know it, it comes down to we have been able to enter this community on Twitter when we first came in and see, you know, people of color, uh, minorities, you know, being able to actually, you know, be guest stars on people's actual plays, you know, being able to be cast as, you know, uh, guest DMs on a charity stream, or, you know, even just play on people's, you know, regular, you know, being a regular part. And it felt like, I don't know about you. Like I, I originally, when I started D and D was on Facebook and was checking out the Facebook groups and that is just awful. It's like, it's like, (laughs) it's it's like polite Reddit. It's like, everyone's horrible. (laughs) Everyone's still an asshole, but they're just polite about it. Where like on Reddit, it's just unbridled, like mean, like, and I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a big difference of, you know, coming to Twitter was like, wow, this is safe. Hmm. Like, If someone steps out of line, like it's dealt with by the community, like we all talk about it and, you know, it felt like there was a lot more and especially, you know, you mentioned the freelancing thing, but in a sense of freelancing, having, you know, people of color, minorities, you know, across the board, being able to advertise themselves as people to be a part of things and and to have that like almost ability to network mm. was crazy. Like I, I, I said to, it, it was hilarious. I said to um, my partner when I, when I first got into Twitter, I was like, you know, I was like, this is crazy. Like I thought, you know, like the safest spaces are like LGBTQ like groups in places that I've been a part of where, you know, it's super inclusive, like, it's all races, all genders, we're all great, like, and that felt like anytime I was in an LGBTQ place, like, club, or, you know, like, bar, or even just, like, forum, felt much safer, and then I came to Twitter, and I was like, I've never seen a space that's this safe, I've never seen, like, a space where we're like people are respecting each other in and, in the TTRPG Yeah, and, and yeah, in the yeah. TTRPG bubble, that yeah, yeah, I was Yeah, that's like, yeah. I don't yeah. think no, they would always not, agree not with you. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, yeah.
2: There's a, yeah. yeah. a lot of hate. A lot of hate that generates on Twitter as well.
0: Not not across Twitter as a whole, but like within the TTRPG space, especially like I again I come back to amongst creators. I would say amongst people who are engaging, I definitely did see a lot of some of that hate and a lot of some of that yeah. stuff, but amongst the creator community and the the, the professional community It was beautiful to just see how many people were lifting each other up, helping each other and doing all that. And I think that's one of the few reasons why I think we will keep our Twitter account open and we will, you know, have that there because, you know, we do sometimes reach out to people on Twitter. We do, you know, talk to people that were like, oh, that's really awesome or we've seen that and we use Twitter as that tool. And I think it's it is a, a weapon in that way it is you know
1: what i mean it is but but I, th- I think we've come to the point where we we acknowledge that it isn't one that we want to it's not the hill that we want to die on yeah exactly yeah. you know we we, we we need to focus our attention on places that we really feel like there is an opportunity to transform this through that funnel into something that will you know that will eventually be monetized into support it's
2: it's, yeah for me it's like well a i really didn't you know i really didn't like the direction that twitter has been going over the past few weeks like Mm. many people and also it wasn't helpful for my business so it helped me that both of those things were true which meant it was easy to walk away Mm. um you know and and yeah and i and i do one of the things that i do have to worry a lot about is like where am i focusing my time and, and energy Um, And money to to, you know, try to make sure that I'm able to do what I want to do, which is help DMs run better games. And I wasn't finding that there. And I wasn't also spending a lot of time and money and energy on it. I I wrote a bot that basically automated almost all of it. Um, You know, so yeah, so thinking about. Where to do that and like I joined Mastodon right I switched over and I I have a Mastodon account and I've been enjoying that that's been fun more than business and mm. like you know I said like I don't I'm not gonna promote it like I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna you know bother to be like oh go follow me on Mastodon because it's like <laughs> nah you know I'd rather you subscribe to my newsletter like if you get <laughs> But you know it's fun to play with, and it was it was you know I liked it because I could write a bot in one day that that did mm. all the stuff that I was doing on Twitter. But you know, and it's it's fun to kind of watch it build up the same way that it built that Twitter built up, where it's like, oh look, I only have a couple hundred followers now, and I can say things and you know not get two hundred people yelling at me about being wrong. So you know, it's 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 nice. Not that that happened because I didn't get any engagement on Twitter either. But you know, <laughs> it's you know, it's been nice to have that kind of new opportunity. But but yeah, that where do we focus our time and, and attention? That's it. Is, yeah. is 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 pretty important, yeah? When no one's no one's telling us, right? We're all running our own show, and we have to we have to research it and figure out what's right. That is
1: that is that's really kind of where our headspace is these days. So let's let's talk about it. So Bodhi mentioned that our strategy has been with growing our newsletter and our Discord has been really kind of guerrilla marketing. It's very labor intensive. It's going out yep. there knocking on doors on 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 the platforms, by the way, and just. And, and, and centralizing a theme that we are, so currently we're building out an airship combat system overlay for Kickstarter that's going to be for 5e and eventually for 1D&D going forward. And we, can, and we can talk about one d here in a second. Oh, but, yeah. um, but with that theme, we're reaching out and knocking on doors and saying, hey, here's, you've mentioned that you like something kind of like this. What do you think about this? And if they say yes, then we go through a series of, you know, finally until we get them to a close, which takes them to the newsletter. Um, that has seemed to be working really well for us, but it is super labor intensive. Um, we've gotten up to, I think we've got like, you know, eight, 900 people on our newsletter and we clip forward to, you know, 25 to 50 every week or two that, that are coming through on that. But the conversion is super, super like, you know, you got to, it's about 20 to one that actually convert, I think, or maybe 10 to one of those cold calls. What's your strategy, like, or maybe maybe let's say this: What was your strategy? Because you're now in a whole different place than a lot of people watching this. So, what was yeah, your strategy early yeah, on?
2: I don't think I've ever had a strategy, and I don't think okay. I have one now. Um, okay. And, and 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 you know, it's such a different like every every path that people take in this in this crazy industry of ours is unique. And I think for me to build up an email newsletter was easier because I already had these other platforms that I could use to kind of draw people to the newsletter. So Mm. Twitter wasn't great, but it didn't, it wasn't zero, right, it it wasn't nobody. So like for me to automate a system that said, you know, two or three times a week would say, if you like the work that I do, come subscribe to the newsletter and you get a free PDF generator, yada, yada, yada. Mm. And, you know, and it would bring in a, a handful of people. Uh, same with YouTube. I can't, I can't look at YouTube and be like, well, you know, it's, it's pretty, I'm I'm happy with it. Like it's, you know, mm-hmm. five, 6,000 views on a, any video that I put out at any given time. And those convert pretty well to email subscribers and Patreon, you know, patron, patrons and, and book sales and everything else. So, but how did I get there? And I'm like, I don't know, you know, <laughs> like I, don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I have a good way of like, oh, here's how to build up a good YouTube video, right? Or a good mm-hmm. YouTube channel. Um, you know there's lots of million youtube videos you can go watch that that claim they know how you know that usually like make something people want to hear about right and yeah um so you know so so that's so that's uh hard hard to say getting getting people to the newsletter is 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 you know it is it's, it's that that hard part of the funnel um and and I don't I don't have a good strategy other than keep trying different things. Like try try things and measure things, right? so try to try to find a way so that I can see how did somebody get there uh, and then you know try out different stuff. So I, like I said, I did a two month TikTok experiment, right? right? Three videos a week for TikTok um, that were also trying to push you know push subscribers, and that had basically zero conversion, right? like nobody nobody from TikTok really came over. Uh, I tried yeah. Instagram. I tried doing short videos in Instagram to see that. I did shorts on YouTube to try to see if that. And the interesting thing I discovered is that none of the metrics that I use for newsletter, Patreon, or my books, which are really like the three bottom parts of my funnel, none of those increased, even though I would get in some cases 20, 30,000 views on a, I, you know, I think I got one that was like 80 or 90,000 views on a TikTok video, which is way yeah. higher than I get on anything else, 10 times higher. And yet I, uh, no blip on the you know, no blip on the lines of 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 Savage. subscribers anywhere else. Which meant like, okay, well, that's probably not worth the time. Right. Like mm-hmm. you know, at least it appeared. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cross it off those completely. But it's mm-hmm. like I'm probably not gonna focus on that right now. I will instead focus on the videos where I can see that there's uh uh that there is an increase in 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 um uh in subscribers that are coming there. Um but part of it is also like there, there's, you know, that that there's 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 like a flywheel on this. And the 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 more the flywheel spins, the inertia pulls it. So it feels like I don't have any data to back this up, but it feels like doing that gorilla stuff. You know, I, I do it on Reddit because I I like to. I like to go to the Reddit DM Academy and just answer questions on the DM Academy. And a lot yeah. of time the answers to the questions are, I wrote an article about this. Go yeah. check out my blog. And the reality is the blog also has a pop-up that says subscribe to my newsletter. So mm-hmm. they go to the blog, they read the article, they like it, they see subscribe, The guy like, I like this guy, I'll subscribe. And I get yeah. subscriptions that way. Um, you know, th- that the more you do it, the more of the guerrilla marketing that you do, the you know, it builds an inertia. And then eventually that inertia is pulling more people in too. Mm. So it gets to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And I brought up that like the the best number of subscribers i got to my newsletter was due to a kickstarter that i ran right and mm. so the the kickstarter brought people in and i'm like you know what's the value and like they already paid money right they already bought yeah it. they already got the thing that i was hoping to get it but it was it was like 40 percent of my email subscribers came from that one kickstarter and it was a lot of four thousand people so you cool. know, wow. yeah i got a tremendous number of subscribers and i was like you know that that was pretty powerful um i think one thing that i think about is like which platforms help draw people to your content whatever it is i hate the word content but you know i don't have a better word your stuff we use the word stuff um (laughs) platforms bring people to your stuff that you wouldn't otherwise get yeah and the example is like drive-through rpg so drive-through rpg you could put a product up on there. And you can advertise it. You can put out on your newsletter, hey, I have a product on Drive Thru RPG. Go look at it. But Drive Thru RPG also has a front page. They also have a deal of the day. They also have sort of other, hey, if you like this, you might like this. They have ways to bring people to your product that you wouldn't that you don't drive on your own. Mm. And YouTube is the same way. If you look at the number of people that watch a YouTube video because they subscribe to your channel compared to those that were recommended your YouTube video because they are watching videos that are similar, cool. might, yeah, it's like 80 and 20, right? Like eighty yeah. percent of the views are coming from that recommendation engine so that is good amazon same way like i don't ever advertise my books on amazon but they sure sell on amazon and it's because mm-hmm. amazon is good at bringing people to your books on amazon itch itch.io right a platform for independent rpg stuff their whole thing is no you need to bring your audience to us right yeah. well i can already do that like i don't need a you know i have a shopify store yeah you know, I'll, I'll just link it to the shopify store where my my, my rate is much better um Patreon is not great at this, actually. Like, you have to bring a lot of people to your Patreon. Patreon mm, yeah. is because it's not very expensive. Like, they don't take a big cut of your amount. They have pretty good tools, and people are familiar with it, and it's easy for them to subscribe when they get there. But they don't ever have. It's really shocking that they don't have a, hey, you're subscribed to these Patreons. I bet you, you might like these other ones. And they could set that up in a day, right? Mm, they yeah. Would- no effort at all to to set up something to recommend other patron other Patreon p- creator pages. And I think creators want it, right? I yeah. think they and they might sell it, right? They might Oh, you yeah. want to be on a list? Pay us, right? So Patreon's an example where they where they don't where the platform doesn't bring its own audience. Shopify is another one. Shopify is a great store, but you gotta promote it. No one's gonna promote your Shopify store for you. Mm. So it's worth thinking about like what are those platforms and are they are they bringing a new audience that I don't have to whatever this thing is? Yeah. And I'm doing on my own. It's a great and shout. Some that are good and there some that are not. And then there's sometimes or even if they're not, they're still worth using, like Patreon. And then there yeah. are some, I would argue itch.io. I'm not gonna bash it. There's people that have their products there and like it, and that's fine. You don't want to maintain your own store, it's a good way to do it. But you know, I think it's pretty well known. Like I have a product up on itch.io and I don't think everybody ever ever bought it. Right? Yeah. But hundreds of sales elsewhere.
0: Mm. Dude, well, like I think what's super interesting. It for, first of all, like uh, as always, thank you for just being a font of a font of just uh, just just. Uh, I was going to say wisdom, and also just thoughts that we how haven't about a, how had. About as a, well. How about
2: a drop of experience? Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a point of experience,
0: yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's it's one of those things where I, I just appreciate a lot of what you're saying, and I know. I know tomorrow. I, I already know for a fact tomorrow. I'm going to have to sit with Tom and we're going to have a conversation <laughs> about re- rejigging stuff that we're doing. I I, 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 see. I see him writing notes about stuff that we need to talk about tomorrow you know already. What, to I, fair, I wrote it down I, I, as well.
1: No, I think this is affirming.
0: This is affirming for uh, me. A hundred percent. I, fully agree with you. And I, it's taken
1: a while for us to get yeah, the message. Yeah, but I feel like we've gotten the message. Yeah. You know, and it's it's taken a year since I the last time you said it. other content creators that are, um. sort of getting some traction have said the same thing newsletter subscribers that's where it's at build your own audience don't depend on platforms and it took us a long time to be like okay let's give it a try
0: and and but here we're here now we're we're listening we stopped waiting for that viral tick and started just making our own viral tick yeah Yeah.
2: so one last thing that i want to bring up just because i'll forget and then i won't bring it up is I, i still don't discount the value of a blog and, you know, like I've maintained my blog forever. There's a lot of it that was just stubbornness. I remember friends of mine were like, the blog is dead. Twitter is where it's at. I have friends that would do like, they do product reviews for Wizards of the Coast. Wizards sends them products early and they do the reviews. And the whole review is on Twitter. And it's yeah. like, why are you giving the value of that to Twitter? Like, put that on your blog and then you yeah. get Google searches. And the Google, mm. you know, people will search on Google. And it might not be many. Like, I don't, I, you know, my my numbers aren't through the roof on my blog but they bring in subscribers, right? People mm. people go in, they read an article, try to aim my article so that every article is unique on its own. Again, thinking about that idea that the content is the thing that's important, not the network. Yeah. And 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 that helps a lot. And I'll tell you, and then, you know, the other one, and we all hate it, but like the, the email pop-up form on a blog works. Mm. I, mm. I, I, you know, I don't like using it, but it's like 40% of subscribers are coming in from that and I'm not going to cut that off, right? So it, it, yeah. we're, even though we, many people, I, I always immediately, can't can't click that X button fast enough to get that thing off my site. Yeah. Um, it really works, and and other TTRPG people that I talk to, they use it all the time, and it works for them too. So, you know, taking if you're putting out newsletter stuff, and you and you have a cycle of writing. I'm, you know, I'm I'm also very lucky, and I and I dis, I I discount this because it's so kind of built into my DNA at this point, almost literally, that writing weekly articles is just calm. It's like breathing for me. I just do it all the time. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have, I have, I think probably 60 or 70 articles I haven't published that are just wow. sitting and i could just pull one of those up and drop it on when i want so i I write all the time i write these articles all the time but having that cadence of one a weekly newsletter that is offering something to people it's not trying to sell anything it's not trying to do anything it's just trying to give you hey here's this experience here's this tip here's this idea that you could bring to your game and having that but then also having that on the blog so that people can search and find it and then they see the newsletter and go i like this article i'll subscribe that Hmm. cycle can be can be important even though it's a cycle that's built on technology from like literally 1990 Right, like, <laughs> you know, having a having a blog and a newsletter. Those are technologies that have been around for thirty years, but I think they're really valuable, and I think they're easily discounted. It might
1: be it, one it, of the reasons why we're
0: such a slow roll towards it,
1: don't you think? The, uh, the, the
0: newsletter, yeah, one hundred percent. Like I, I think you know, it's it's one of those classic things of like, oh, we're trying to keep up with the times, but realizing that, you know, it, it, it's. I, I talked to someone about this the other day by, by the way I have, a, I have a question for you as well which I think will be a nice uh, a nice segue but um, my, my, I was talking to someone about this the other day and it's it's one of those things of like there's certain things throughout history and time that have been core pillars that have irregardless of what it is sustained and existed like the, a great example that they used and it has nothing to do with what we're talking about but bread was the example that <laughs> they've used they're like this shit has been round since the fucking beginning and it's still <laughs> right. fucking here. We're still eating yeah. bread. We like, are still Basically making,
2: cooking it the exact same way. Right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: and, and it's, it's like, not only are we cooking, we're, we're not making new types. We still just have ciabatta, sourdough. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like we still, no <laughs> right. one's inventing new breads, you know? And it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's some of those like core things that keep going. And I think with this newsletter and the blog and things like that, because you know, the creators of those and and, and the people who started all of that and and got that ball rolling aren't now these new people who like Elon Musk or anyone else who's running a social media or thinking about that are trying to tweak to stay up to date with the times. The moment TikTok happened, suddenly Instagram has reels, suddenly YouTube has shorts, you know, suddenly Twitter has the ability to do video. And it's like they're all trying to like compete with each other by twisting dials and what it's losing is what it was originally there for. And I think because the people that are making the blogs, that are making the forums, that are making, you know, like classic, all those classic things, it's the reason why Reddit out of, you, you think, how is Reddit sustained? It's a place of like almost like ridiculous toxicity in a lot of, <laughs> a lot of areas. You're like, how is that sustained? It's because it's a forum. And what comes yeah. down to it is forum is one of those people want to core talk. things yeah. that, right. that will sustain forever regardless of all the social medias and so i think that's what we're starting to hit is just like cool we need to find that sustainable thing and i think you know for years people thought youtube was that and then when they swapped up their algorithm and changed their payment stuff and you know probably about i think it was somewhere between five and ten years ago that was a big shock to everyone everyone all the youtube creators were like whoa this is bad like mm-hmm. we're like and suddenly people started realizing that you need to stick with those cores and I think that's that's kind of you know what what we're saying to people as well is find find a core that you feel is is a good place and and you know if, if that is a Reddit forum, you know, say you've got a, a Ford slash R and you know you've got your your Reddit forum and if you can bring people there and then do your stuff through there, amazing. If it's a blog, do it through that. If it's a newsletter, yeah. hit that. i do have a question for you because we've talked a lot of shop and it's a lot of you know a a lot of like heavy content creation and and thinking about marketing and stuff what are you at the moment inspired about creating like i know you're making your videos where you're doing like tips you're doing these awesome you know like videos about you know how, how to do your game in this way you know showing you dm prepping for things and that's really great but what is there anything at the moment where you're like, "You know what, I'm hyped about this next book that I'm writing, or you know what this supplement I'm working on is the Cat's pajamas, and I'm super super excited about that. what what's what's driving you at the moment in terms of creativity?
2: yeah, number number one is a project I'm working on called The City of Arches. Uh, the City mm-hmm. of Arches is a city source book that I've been working on pieces at a time now for probably a year and have been delivering to patron Sly Flourish patrons. So mm-hmm. they get a few new pages of it every month. And uh, it has been this ever expanding source book for that's really built to be like from the ground up that a place fueled for D&D adventures, the, the, the kind of place that you would go to for D&D adventures. So common either common problems or common, you know, common situations that you, you sort of have to work your way around are mm-hmm. sort of wired into this. The example is. Uh, If you pick up a book like Monsters of the Multiverse, there's like 46 character races in there. And a lot of people are like, well, how in the hell do you have a place with 46 character races? Like, you know, you go into a bar and you see a lizard man and you see, you know, a a hawk (laughs) person and a half elemental. And so I built the city of Arches so that no, it makes sense why you would have this cosmopolitan, (laughs) you know, any of these races make sense because people are coming from all over the multiverse into this one city when Mm. knowing how they got there and not knowing why. And it's not all the time, but it's a, a frequent enough that people are coming in. It's also like a super layered city built on top of old ruins, so there's always options for adventure. There's always places to go. You could build a 20th level campaign there. I built two 20th level campaigns. You know, campaign wow! Campaigns there. And what's been fun about it, what really makes me happy about it, is a like I'm I'm, I'm I, I hope right God God's willing that um, to kickstart this probably in 2024, mm-hmm. and that gives me essentially two full years to work on it before i even finance all the rest of it and it means that i can get really far with it it also means that hundreds to thousands of people can see it before i even get to that point i can already Mm. i get feedback on every part so i take a piece and i'm like hey everybody here's a three-page adventure i wrote that's like a starter adventure for this what do you guys think and they're like they run it they try it and they go here's the feedback which means it's already been like tested a lot of it's Mm -hmm. been tested A lot of things have have kind of changed and and morphed over time and then i can i'll have this manuscript and then i can take it to kickstarter and say now editing layout art covers physical production all of that stuff is what i can what i can do for the kickstarter but the manuscript is is done and it and it and it you know it it happened over this long period of time so whenever that pops up on my to-do list of something that i want to do with the city of arches i'm almost always like that is the kind of work i want to be doing like that's the kind of work I would like, I don't know if I could stand doing it all the time, mm-hmm. but I would sure love to be doing more of it. And, and yeah. I, I really, that that's the part of it that really jazzes me up. It's also this part of it, like, cause you know, all of the production parts are a pretty tremendous pains in the asses. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the
2: initial creative part, you know, and like for return, like, and I, when I wrote return of the lazy dungeon master, I wrote the book and I think four weeks, right? Mm-hmm. I had a, a four week, I took a sabbatical and my from my day job. And I just, all I did was write and read. I read books about the yeming and I wrote about the yeming. And then mm-hmm. I had a manuscript and it was glorious. It was one of my happiest times in my life. i be able to go to a park, walk around the park, go to the local coffee shop, write for a couple hours. It was wonderful, right? Wonderful moment in my life. And then there was the other year and a half where it was editing it and cleaning it up and commissioning art and yeah. going through layout and figuring out production and running the Kickstarter, managing the Kickstarter. All of that is like a pretty big pain in the ass. Yeah. But I'm like stubborn enough that I don't want to hand that off to anybody else. Like, I don't want to yeah. just write a book and then sell it to a publisher and yeah. then make 15%. I want to own, you know, I want to own the book from top to bottom. And like, I know yeah. every piece of art, I wrote every art commission. Yeah. You know, yeah. every every little piece of those books, I I had something to do with, but it's not the fun part, right? The the, the that production part is definitely not the fun part. Yeah. Um, and and so the nice thing is like, okay, instead of just hammering it all out in a month, now I'm taking two years, right? Now I'm mm, like, yeah. every week I get to work. I'm, I'm like, I'm just gonna write a villain. Like I'm gonna work on a villain, do two pages. That's just about this villain and give him a stat block and give him a history and I'll commission yeah. a piece of art for him and I'll just do that and then I'll hear everybody. Here's this villain right yeah. and and that and that product i think has brought a lot of people to the patreon because they're eager to see it right yeah. they're like oh that sounds really cool i show it off on my youtube show they, they yeah. see it oh that's cool i want that and they're like wow and his patreon is Patreon's only two bucks hell yeah i'll put in two bucks for that and mm-hmm. then they stay because they're like this is great i can't wait to see what i get next month and then yeah. they, they- I can, get- love
0: it. can i ask a question because it's something we've been kind of toying with and, and, and just like thinking about, and I would really love to know what your perspective is on that. So you talked about, you know, releasing little bits of this to your community and, and dropping little bits and, you know, giving them, you know, sections of the manuscript and stuff as, as you're working on it, how much, uh, does the whole, um, like people stealing ideas, copyright issue play a factor in your mind? Like how, how much, uh, or, or in in some cases, what like precautions have you put in place when you do release these to your Patreon? You know, obviously you want this to be part of a Kickstarter down the road. What are some things that you're thinking about in terms of copywriting? You know, the the IP of this product and things like, like that. Like almost like. What, you've given away the
1: Kickstarter before you've done the Kickstarter, so to speak. That's what. you're Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I'm asking, like, what's your philosophy on it? Yeah, do, yeah. do you think, like, do you think it's something you creators in our community need to worry about? Is it something that you can just, you know, be like, hey, look, the chances of it happening are so low that you know, just just give it to your community and let them be a part of the journey. Like, where's where's your head on that? Because it's something we debate. I give
2: it. I give it zero, zero thought, and zero. Hmm energy and the answer to many of your questions are zero i don't yeah. do any copy protection on it i don't i don't i don't worry about that at all um yeah. and and part of it is because i don't think there's any, i haven't seen any evidence like you know it's definitely chat my ass when i would see that there's full copies of return of the lazy dungeon master out on some site where people can just go download it for free mm-hmm. it really drives me bananas if you do a search for it and it's the number one search yeah. um the i i I've always been, as as long as I've been writing, I've always been of the impression that I want to help the people who are legitimately coming for my stuff more than mm. I want to hurt the people who aren't. So, mm. I, you know, anytime I try to put copy protection in place, I'm making it harder for the people who legitimately bought it. Mm. And I don't want to do that. I want I want to yeah. be able to just give people a URL and they yeah. can go get it. And I've mm. done this as far back as the Kickstarters that I ran yeah, You know, I've done this. I've done this as much as possible. I don't worry. I, 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 you know, is it, is it truly zero? No, but it's of the, of all of the, if I have my giant stack of stuff that I worry about, it's really close to the bottom. Um, mm. Because I, and, and it's, and, and part of it is because I haven't seen it hurt me financially. Right. I, I doubt that like, oh, if you could go get it. I mean, like one of the things which is true about the Patreon, I'm always nervous to bring it up, but it's true. It's like nothing to stop you from joining the Patreon for $2, going and downloading and then leaving right yeah. and you you got everything that everybody's been paying for for the last two years you mm. got two bucks and yeah. i do think about it, because i think my Patreon's probably underpriced but i'm nervous mm. about raising it right i don't you know because you kind of do something like that you could break a model that seems to be working and i'm always apprehensive so i'm like ah eh. and i also know yeah. it's going to be a kickstarter and I, i'm hoping that the kickstarter does well which means i'm not too worried about the fact that yeah it wasn't too expensive as part of the patreon because it's also going to be you know a lot of people are going to buy it twice, right? A lot of people are going to buy the original one for Patreon and they're going to buy the the finished version, you know? Um, But as far as like stealing ideas, I'm not worried about it. You know, there's definitely things where like, I, I, I forget. I had a, (laughs) I had a little funny bit that was inside my book and I saw it in another big published work. And I, I don't think it was stolen. Like I don't think they took it from me and I know I didn't take it from them. I think just sometimes Ideas come up that are good ideas, and they just happen to manifest. Luckily, it was small enough in a product that's going to be old enough by the time it comes out. I don't think anybody's going to even notice. But yeah. like, I noticed. I was like, "Huh, look at that. It's almost exactly the same." And sometimes, yeah. like, just ideas sort of gravitate towards certain areas. But I'm not. I'm not worried. Like, I don't think anybody's going to come. I'm also not big enough that anybody worry about it. Nobody's going to come and and steal a bunch of ideas from my thing, and and run with it. That is then going to have such an impact that it's going to eclipse the thing that I'm doing. You know, yeah. i I've, I've never. I've never really worried.
1: So just, just to follow up on that, um, and again, this is, you know, us asking questions for the audience, but also for, for ourselves. <laughs> what about like with with like artwork? So let's say this two-year journey, you're, you're releasing the villain and there's the artwork for them. And yeah. you're releasing, you know, this monster and there's this and you're releasing this city and this map and all this other stuff. Right. Um, is it the same with all of it? Like with whatever, whatever the content is that you're paying for or creating? To you're putting be like in a slice harsh
0: watermark in the yeah. corner or no,
1: anything, anything like, that. like that no you you're just you're just putting it out there and and yeah. basically what the Kickstarter is I mean it's still copyrighted the-
2: right like it's got a copyright page and and it's illegal to steal the art right and it says it, oh. it it talks about who where I got the art from so a lot of the art that's in the current version of the city of arches is uh licensed you know, art that I, that I, you know, that was under an open license or not open license, but open on on a license that I was able to use. But then a couple of pieces I commissioned directly. So Mm. all the maps that are in it are commissioned directly. I've got a new map that I just commissioned and they're expensive, right? They're not these, 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 you know, they cost money, but the Patreon's paying for them. The the amount coming from Patreon pays for the art. Um, And so it has a copyright page, but like, I don't watermark the art. And if it showed up elsewhere, you know, I don't know. I don't know how I'd feel about it. It's like, and is it stealing from the work you know, I don't know. Well, I guess what I'm picturing is like, I was licensing the art and I saw it being used for stuff. Yeah. I'm upset, I'd And maybe the artists are upset, but they're like, hey, I got paid for Mike, so I don't care. So I don't Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah I almost picture it like it's, it's like, uh, the Kickstarter itself is so leading up to the Kickstarter is all the breadcrumbs of content along the way. And now you've right. put all that breadcrumbs <sighs> together in a nicely formed cake. Yeah. Right. Everything is in order. Everything is the way it's supposed yeah, all, to be. All of
2: the art's gonna be redone for the Kickstarter. Yeah. because yeah, okay. like one of the things is like the 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 Patreon version is pure black and white. And uh, okay. the, and the, the 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 final book will almost certainly be color. So the the funny bit is I will be paying for some of the art twice. Like I'm gonna be paying for a, a black and white version and I'm gonna be paying for a color version. I'll probably include the black and white stuff in the Kickstarter because they yeah. you know, people might like the black and white version themselves. Okay. But, but my, my plan is that I will be, like the map will be recommissioned, the, the internal art will be recommissioned, all this stuff. Like that's what the Kickstarter is gonna pay for is all that, right? And, and yeah. it hasn't been edited. Like one thing is I'm putting it out there and I go over it a bunch of times and I get feedback from people like, hey, you know, this is, doesn't make any sense. But I also, um, uh, it has not been through my formal editor, right? And so that the, the Kickstarter is gonna pay for, 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 for formal editing and all yeah that. Yeah,
1: that makes sense. Yeah, the black and white thing is interesting. So the, the, the work that you're putting out now for the City of Arches is, is in the artwork part of it, is a, a version, a let's say a less yeah. complete version. True. It's almost, yeah, it's,
2: it's not quite concept art, right? It's, mm. it's, but it's kind of like concept art. It's kind of like, you know, I mean, at the end of this, the Patreon is still going to have <laughs> the original version. Mm. You know, and we'll, we'll still have that. Should yeah. I, I can wait a second.
1: No, oh, no, no, no. You're okay. No, go for oh, it. No, go right. for it. Um,
2: yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the 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 it's almost like concept art, but but at the end of it, the people on Patreon will have a pretty formal product because they'll have all of the stuff that's in there. And just like I already, the nice thing is I've already done this. I did this for the lazy DMs that the lazy dm's companion has a formal book you go buy it it's got a pdf that's all edited and clean but there's also the original one which was called sly Flourish's uncovered secrets that mm. has a lot of the same material and that's the one the patrons have been working on and that's still available to patrons.
1: okay so
2: but it's not you know like i know i would rather have the final version <laughs> you know? mm. um but yeah they'll always have that version around so so, so yeah, yeah. yeah. that model Super has that model worked really really well for the lazy dm's companion Mm. Uh, I think it was a much stronger product for going through that cycle. And, and, you know, it, it helped me a lot. It helped me promote my Patreon and then at Kickstarter. So that mm. really helped. And so doing it again with City of Arches so far has been great on all fronts. Like patrons yeah. are happy. You know, the people that have gotten it really like it. People are running campaigns in it already, um, mm. you know, and, and I get to work on it at my own pace. At a at a you know with picking up new ideas over a long period of time rather than trying to hammer everything out at once, mm-hmm. and and then I get to turn it into a nice big formal book when I'm when I when I reach the end.
0: Oh yeah,
1: we talked about um, one D and D, yeah. And you know, there's there's a lot of I guess speculation out there on what Wizards is doing. Are they tightening the noose? Are they are they getting a little bit more, you know, interested in the third party development? revenue streams that seem to have, you know, certainly on one level, if you look at some third-party Kickstarters, there's some incredible successes out there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure in some, you know, conference room somewhere, the Wizards are are, are looking at that and saying,
2: hmm,
1: working on their next spell. Where's, where's, <laughs> our,
2: where's our 30%? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So what, you know, again, we 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 don't know as far as the, the OGL exactly how that's all going to play out, but from your perspective how how concerned or worried are you if if there is some sort of significant modification to that
2: i would say probably on like a scale of 1 to 10 probably a a 4 mm, right yeah. on my on my worried meter but maybe even less i could i could talk myself down from from a 4 concerned with it like i'm paying a lot of attention to it
1: mm-hmm.
2: i'm not that concerned about it and the reason why is the kind of stuff that i produce i i i don't think there's any reason i can't continue to produce that kind of work for one D no matter what they do mm. um i think that there are certain types of products that are going to be a lot harder to make or could be I, you know, we, we don't know the re, like what's going to happen the answer is really we, we really don't know and that, that 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 we don't know is on at least two and maybe more vectors one factor is what are they gonna do with the SRD, right? So a, a misconception about the OGL, I think I'm right about this, you know, you can't take away the OGL, right? The OGL mm-hmm. is a perpetual license, it exists, it will exist for all time. What you could do is not do a one, what they could do is not put out a 1D&D SRD, the system mm-hmm. research. So they can basically see all of the rules that we put into 1D&D, those aren't open. You can't just take them and copy them and put them in your work. So they mm-hmm. could certainly do that. I would not be surprised if they don't do that. I would. I, I would, you know, I would be surprised if they do say, oh yeah, no, we're going to put out a, an SRD for 1D&D. I feel, I don't have a lot of good data on this, but I feel like they're probably not going to do that. Mm. Um, so then the other factor is, how different is it from fifth edition? And if it's not that different, and I would say if you look at the playtest so far, it's not that different, that you can't do a lot of stuff using the existing fifth edition system resource document. That you can you can build a lot of stuff with just that, so. But but the other part of that was well what if they do change an awful lot like what if they fundamentally change the monster stat block what if they move away from challenge rating and go to monster levels, you know if there's no system resource document to support that we either have to make it up on our own, you know or we don't write for that. Mm. Now some stuff like character classes. So some creators are, are really heavy into building subclasses or races or character-focused material. And that might be harder to make if, if there isn't a one D&D system resource document. If there's not something yeah. that, that clarifies what that's like, you might have more trouble. I'm still not sure that you couldn't write it under the fifth edition SRD and still be fundamentally compatible. Yeah. Because there's certain things they just can't limit. Like they can't they can't limit you from adding feats to backgrounds. Like fe- you know, feats being part of backgrounds is part of the one d playtest. It looks like that's something that's going to stick around. They can't prevent you from doing that and still just saying, oh, I'm 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 using the OGL and I'm using the fifth edition SRD, but my feats have backgrounds too. Huh? How about that? So yeah. so I don't think they can limit too much on that. But there's some stuff where if they if they if they end up changing a lot of the game,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and they don't put out a, a system resource document that supports it. it it might be harder to write some things but like adventures and my i'm not worried about city of arches because mm. it's pretty open right like it's not mm. i'm not gonna have a bunch of character classes in it i probably have monster stat blocks but I'm, it's I'm locations
0: and event and interactions
2: that's right and those you know you could write for anything like i'm pretty sure you could take city of arches and 95 of it would work with any version of d d that you wanted to play regardless of what mm. else so the kind of and and certainly like my d d advice ideas the stuff that's in return of the lazy dungeon master and the other ones that the all, almost all of that stuff can work with any rpg you know that's that's really not a problem with any rpg so i'm i'm not worried because the kind of stuff i make is stuff that can support almost any new version even if they decide that they don't want to do that um there's there's other factors too which is like how much does wizards decide they want to litigate this mm. so if, if they change they've been they've been pretty open about not going after people who aren't obviously doing some kind of copyright infringement. If you go in and try to make a dark sun source book and put it up on Kickstarter, you're going to hear from somebody, right? But if you go and you make a world that's not dark sun, but it's like a a bad apocalyptic world where the sun is dying and God, King's rule and all this stuff, they're probably not going to come after you, even though it's clearly like dark sun with the numbers filed off. (laughs) <laughs> but, but if they decide, if they decide like a, you know, some, some, one, one thought is they might put out a new license that's like the GSL that fourth edition had, which is a much more limited license that they could revoke, which is really the dangerous part. Like, mm-hmm. oh sure, you can use it. Ah, we changed our mind and they can, we can, re- wizards can revoke it, which means your product is dead.
0: That mm-hmm. could be
2: really bad. They could put out a license like that, that opens it up and says you can use one D D stuff. You, you know, you, uh, under this license, you're doing it, but we have, you, you know, under, under, under this license, you have these limitations. Um, and then go after anybody that's not using that license that looks like they're writing something that's compatible mm-hmm. because Hasbro's got lawyers, right? Yeah. They could do that, and independent people just couldn't keep up, even though they might be in the wrong, even though it's like, it's not a trademark violation. It's not a copyright violation. It's not a violation of the existing SRD or the OGL, but Wizards just doesn't like you they're going to outgun you with, with, yeah. with lawyers. So, you know, could they do that? Yeah. Will they, I don't, there's no evidence to say they will. Yeah. So I don't think we, I don't think we put too much on that. Um, so that's, that's all the calculus in my head that leads me to like a three or a four on the, mm-hmm. I certainly pay a lot of attention to it, but from a business perspective, I think other things could affect my business that would be worse, you know, just like people could just no longer be interested in the stuff I make. Right. Amazon could suck or YouTube could drop like YouTube deciding they no longer want to send people to my links would have a much bigger effect on my business across the board than whatever Wizards decides they're going to want to do with the OGL or the SRD or not. I think. That makes sense. So if
1: you were to, to give some advice to a creator that is looking at what could potentially happen, what would be the way to mitigate, to mitigate, to, Someone that hasn't started in D&D, what, yeah. what space would you give them that you'd say, look, all things considered, that space is probably more safe than some other spaces of content creation. What would you say?
2: I would say anything where you can stay as far away from the mechanics of the game as possible is safer than, than stuff that's going to be deeply embedded in the mechanics. Um, so if you look at, if you look at material and there's some people that have done a really good job of making very big, powerful products that aren't too tightly tied to the mechanics of, of the game, uh, if you can, if you can back test something and say, how much of this thing that you're making could be used by somebody who's running, um, what is it called? Uh, old school essentials, right? If yeah. somebody is using... This remake of the first edition version of D and think it's actually pre BX, right? The BX version of D and somebody that's using it could some, how much of your material could they use if they were using an entirely different version of the game, if they wanted to do it using pathfinder, or they wanted to mm. use it using 13th age, or they wanted to use it using old school essentials or Norkberg or whatever, how much of this product could they use if they're using an entirely different system completely? If the answer is 95%, you're in a really good spot. If the answer mm. is well, zero you're probably not in a very good spot. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I am working on, a, on another Kickstarter that's sooner, that's going to probably happen next year, that is very mechanically focused. And that one is certainly at a greater risk, depending on what Wizards of the Coast decides to do. It is, this is a book about monsters. So whatever Wizards of the Coast decides to do about monsters could have a dramatic effect on this book. But my partners and I that are working on this, we just accepted that. And we're like, look, yeah. we're just going to do it anyway. And probably it will be, it, it, it should make enough money just on the Kickstarter itself to pay for the amount of time and energy and effort that we're putting into it. So if that's the case, and then like a year later, it really just doesn't work, you know, sucks. But hopefully... Yeah. You know, if we're still building on the idea that that Wizards is going to hold true to what they said, which is that it's going to be backward compatible, then this should still work, too. And even that book, I bet you 50% of it would, because 50% of it is advice, right? Yeah. It's mechanics, 50% is advice. So a lot of the book would still work, even if there were massive changes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Words of wisdom. Um, we've just, you know, personally probably benefited as much as uh, as anyone else that might be listening to it um, it has been a really really informative chat once again Mike it's been really really uh, delightful to have you on the podcast again We really feel like um, I don't know like it's almost like we're we're hitting above our you know our our, our, our pay grade a little bit or or, or fighting above <laughs> our weight class by having you on the show but we, no, we really about- really We really appreciate your time and um, you are an inspiration to us. We are continually looking to tweak our own stuff to to get to a place where eight, nine, 10, 11 years down the road, we can have a similar journey as you've had. So thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, you
2: know, you know, my wife is just going to, she's going to hear this. She's Her eyes are just going to be rolling the whole time. Not helping. She's like, you're not helping his inflated ego. No, this is great. I love talking about this stuff. I'm always happy to do it. And I really love being on your show before and I was really excited to be able to do it again. So it's been a great joy of mine. So thank you. Awesome. Hey, we,
0: we, we would love to have you keep coming back and then we'll make it a weekly thing. I uh, uh,
2: <laughs> can't, I can't commit to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but dude, probably, please. probably you can't either. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true.
0: Um, go, go ahead and, um, Drop, you know, you you just talked about, you know, City of Arches, uh, any other projects you're working on where people can find you newsletter and also we'll put all the links to all of that in our description as well. So we'll make sure we get links to all of that for you as well.
2: Yeah, number one is go to SlyFlourish.com. SlyFlourish.com is the hub for all of the rest of it. So if you go there, you'll see my articles, links at the top of the page for everything else that I'm doing um you know main the main the main avenues as we're all talking about these engines that we've got main avenues are the patreon the newsletter my youtube channel my podcast and my books but all the links for those are across the top of the page so you can you can find them all there and if you if you really want to help me out you don't want to spend anything at all the newsletter subscribing to the newsletter is the best way you can go and i I won't i won't i won't abuse your email address
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's absolutely amazing and for us here at homie and dude um you guys know we've got our actual play live stream called the sky realm set in a world of floating islands which we are absolutely loving we're getting into some thick story now it's getting wild (laughs) so if you guys are interested in that go check that out um otherwise we do have our discord server where there's over 400 people who are interacting in there who are a bunch of creators bunch of fans um, and we also have a small section of it that's uh, about MMA and mixed martial arts. So if you happen to have a niche uh, enjoyment of that as well, it's definitely the perfect place to come hang out a, and spend time with like-minded people. Um, as well as that, it's a safe space, you know, with all this Twitter shit going down. Um, it's a safe, inclusive <laughs> space where you can come and, you know, express opinions, share your thoughts and, uh, and, and definitely come and find your people other than that we also have a newsletter our newsletter of holding uh which we do once every two weeks um you can find that uh, we have a bunch of stuff in there behind the scenes content um we do giveaways every now and then of our family made dice that we create um we also give you free dnd supplements whether it be an awesome fleshed out npc a badass battle map or a kick-ass item that you could give to one of your players um great place to get all of that and uh and like mike said it's completely free of charge so if you want to help us out it's a it's a real real a great way to do so and we, we really really appreciate it. But other than that we've been Homie and the Dude, Father and Son TTRPG and MMA team thank you Mike for tuning in and Thanks, thank you everyone else for being amazing people keep enjoying life and be good to everyone around you. Have a nice day right we'll catch you in the next one Makes later sense. Hey guys thank you so much for watching Homie and the Dude today uh, we hope you enjoyed this video if you did please hit us with the Holy Trinity go follow us on Twitter subscribe to the YouTube channel, and like the Facebook. It's the best way that you can help us out at the moment. Hope you have an awesome day. Thanks for watching, guys.